This podcast is a segment of the book, Godly Grit, scheduled for publication in late spring or early summer 2021. It will be available at Amazon as a Kindle ebook, in paperback, and as an audiobook. The word resilience comes from the Latin word resintium, which means inclined to leap or spring back. Resilience is the ability to get knocked down and then get back up again. It is the power of recovery from adversity. For an elastic band, resilience is the ability for that object to be stretched and then returned to its original length. For human beings, resilience is the power and ability to get back to a predefined normal state unless stretched too often. At that point, you have established a new norm or you continue to live in despair. When this ability is functioning well, all seems okay. You have attained a status quo and feel at peace. Resilience is necessary because you cannot avoid getting knocked down regularly. Studies have shown that life achievements may be more the result of grit than talent. We all know very talented people who are frustrated with their life because they lack the necessary resilience or determination to allow their talent to flourish. We also know people who have succeeded with minimal skill or ability through resilience and grit alone. The study of resilience is a study of adversity management. Adversity is common, often a daily characteristic of human life. Some trouble you'll be prepared for, while much of it you will not be ready. Adversity will not destroy those who are resilient, but those who are not resilient will become overwhelmed. Resilience is more of a path than a destination. How you walk the course will significantly impact your life experience, especially your experiences of life's challenges. Where should we look for reliable guidance on resilience? My study of resilience comes from four primary sources. Firstly, my personal experience with adversity, for much of which I was unprepared. Secondly, I've had the privilege to observe thousands of patients over the years, some of whom demonstrated resilience amid significant adversity. Thirdly, from a critical review of the current literature on resilience from the world of psychology, philosophy, and theology. Fourthly, from the Bible, God's reliable guidebook as to how we should live our lives, a life of godly grit. In the book of James in the New Testament, we are encouraged by the following words. James 1 verses 3 to 4. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. This verse encourages us not to run from the many adversities in life, but to embrace them to be more robust and complete. 
This shift in our worldview would significantly reduce unnecessary stress and free up the energy spent trying to avoid inevitable adversity. The expectation that you can live an adversity-free life will weaken your resilience and increase your despair. We can get a better understanding of psychological resilience by comparing it to physical fitness. Resilience is to the soul what physical fitness is to the body. We all came into this world with an individual capacity for both resilience and physical fitness. Some of us were gifted to be weightlifters and others marathon runners. With both physical fitness and resilience, we are all born with a different capacity, the fullness of which often goes unrealized. We could all be more physically fit and we could all be a lot more resilient. How do we improve our physical fitness? We get physically fit by breaking down our body with specific physical demands and then with proper rest and nutrition, you slowly but gradually get stronger and fitter. Exercise does not make you stronger, it tears you down. You get stronger when you rest. Once this process has occurred over and over many times, you are now more prepared to perform better physically. You can now lift a heavier weight or run faster. Through stress and recovery, resilience also has a chance to grow and develop. But unfortunately, it is not as simple as physical fitness with its defined and proven exercise programs. It is impossible to go to the soul gym and bench press 10% of a divorce, 5% of the loss of a spouse or child, and 50% of the unknown disaster around the next corner. With a physical fitness program, you can prepare to run a faster mile by training to run a faster mile, but is not so simple when it comes to resilience. If, however, you only sit there and contemplate what disasters may occur to you tomorrow, you will, in the process, drain your current resilience tank and be much worse off. Just like getting physically stronger, rest and proper soul nutrition are necessary to get stronger. The other complicating factor with resilience is that it is impossible to know what to prepare for or when you will need to be ready. Being more resilient has many benefits. If we are more resilient, we are less likely to get caught in the trap of chronic stress with its consequences of increased heart disease, diabetes, cancer, obesity, and addiction. With increased resilience, there is less sense of being overwhelmed by adversity and an approved ability to cope, and a significant reduction in the stress-induced inflammation, thus improving overall immune response. During times of stress, we will be less likely to be tempted by diversionary activities with severe life consequences like addictions, gambling, or dangerous risk-taking behavior. With a low level of resilience, there is an increased awareness and impact of chronic daily stress. A low level of resilience causes chronic anxiety, an altered immune system, and the release of white blood cells from the bone marrow causing increased inflammation. 
which increases diabetes, cancer, heart disease, and Alzheimer's. Resilience is a function of activity in our brains. Resilience is the ability to continue moving towards a predetermined goal despite obstacles or setbacks. Our brain can gather a massive amount of data and filter it so that we can smell a rose and say that it is a good thing. Or we can step in a pile of stuff our dog left for us on the lawn and say that is not a good thing. So somehow our brains can gather all this data and filter it into pathways that move us either closer to our goals and rewards or place us in a frustrating holding pattern. Experts call these pathways the behavioral approach pathway and the behavioral inhibition pathway. The behavioral approach pathway is the focus of this chapter and the behavioral inhibition pathway will be the focus of the chapter that looks at how resilience gets fractured or destroyed. The behavioral approach pathway begins in the cortex, the part of our brain that makes evaluations, decisions, and sets our goals. This pathway focuses on attaining a goal and receiving a reward. What often makes us different individuals is our goals and anticipated rewards. The behavioral approach pathway consists of two brain circuits, the immediate reward circuit and the delayed reward circuit. There's constant communication between the cortex and the part of our brain that informs us if we have achieved the goal. The purpose of these two circuits is the same reach the goal and get the reward. If the desired goal is within reach and nothing is standing in the way, the immediate reward circuit is activated. Nerve messages pass to the medial forebrain bundle, made up of the ventral tegmental area, the nucleus accumbens, parts of the thalamus, the septum of the amygdala, and the prefrontal cortex. This message then passes to the hypothalamus and cortex with the information that the goal is within reach. Reward without effort should be appreciated when it comes your way, but it should never be allowed to become an expectation. Rewards of most significant value take effort. A life lived demanding immediate gratification will lead to either frustration, despair, or addiction. If the path towards the desired goal is blocked or frustrated, then the delayed reward circuit kicks into gear. In this case, reaching the goal is going to take considerably more effort. When the delayed reward circuit is activated, messages get sent to the preventricular system, made up of the hypothalamus, thalamus, the central gray substance surrounding Sylvius's aqueduct, amygdala, and the hippocampus. The neurotransmitters evolved in this circuit are acetylcholine that increases the release of adrenal corticotropic hormone that acts on the adrenal glands, causing a release of adrenaline. We are now ready for fight or flight. Flight does not mean running from the goal or the obstacle that stands in the way of reaching the goal. Flight means we either step around the block avoid the obstacle, wait for a better time to move forward towards our desired goal, 
or back up and recalculate the path to achieving the goal. Fight does not mean that we are about to use violence to remove or overpower the obstacle standing in our way. Fight means we may have to work a little harder, work a little smarter, alter our path a little, or take another run at the obstacle after we have taken time for planning and better preparation. This delayed reward circuit is where our resilience is challenged and strengthened. The immediate reward circuit and the delayed reward circuit both move us closer to our desired goal. The one is direct, the other takes more effort. As we get closer to the desired destination and reward, messages are triggered as the delayed reward circuit's efforts move us back into the flow of the immediate reward circuit. At this point, the neurotransmitters GABA, glutamate, and dopamine become active in the ventral tegmental area that sends messages to the nucleus accumbens where the nerve endings from the ventral tegmental area release dopamine. Dopamine is not the pleasure or satisfaction neurotransmitter. Dopamine acts in the shell of the nucleus accumbens that sends messages to the hypothalamus and the prefrontal cortex to encode memories about the reward. Dopamine messages in the shell of the nucleus accumbens tell our hypothalamus to remember every element of this reward. We want to be able to get the reward again. Messages are also sent to the prefrontal cortex, increasing our level of alertness and communicating that this reward is to be remembered as an outstanding experience. Messages to the pituitary gland cause a release of hormones to the rest of the body. The result is a sensation of satisfaction. The immediate reward and the delayed reward circuits are both parts of the behavioral approach pathway, meaning they work together to foster momentum towards a desired goal and reward. Both circuits provide opportunities for felt satisfaction. The immediate reward path directly with the achievement of the reward and a delayed reward circuit both with the reward's attainment and any little victory along the way over frustration and obstacles. Overall satisfaction felt from the hard-fought battle to receive a goal is often the sweetest because there are more opportunities for a series of rewards. This cycle of struggle, re-evaluation, regrouping, and rest within the behavioral approach pathway is how our resilience develops, matures, and eventually gets stronger. In the next chapter, I will focus on resilience destruction by looking at the behavioral inhibition pathway.